This is the Fly the W670 podcast. It's episode 63 of season number two. The Cubs sneak past the Royals. Don't forget to listen, download, review, and subscribe to the Fly the W podcast. In this segment, Crawley interviews Greg Hughes of Northside Bound on the recently released Cubs Top 30 Prospects list. Lots of changes, and Greg walks us through them. Joining me now on the Fly the W podcast, you know him on Twitter for as Out of the Vines. You see his work at Northside Bound, our good friend Greg Hughes. Greg, how are you doing today, bud? Good, good man. Good, good. Glad to be back on. Always happy to talk prospects. I uh, I don't know. I, I love going on other people's shows to talk prospects because on my show, on Cubs on Deck, we get like so into the weeds on stuff, like so crazy detailed on like the most obscure prospects that like (laughs) it's nice to go on a on a a podcast that's not hyper focused on prospects we can talk about it from a a big wide lens perspective yeah you know and it's interesting because there's a lot of things going on the we have the updated new prospect top cubs top prospect list and a lot of different uh, publications are putting the cubs farm system pretty high up yeah, it's we've we've seen from the the folks over at, at ESPN and Fangraphs and Pipeline, like all, all of the above. I know Pipeline just came out, I think today with their top uh, their top farm systems, and I think the Cubs were ranked fourth, uh, actually third in the NL Central, but fourth overall, which is kind of wild behind the Pirates and Brewers. But yeah, man, it's a good system right now. It's different than what we've seen in past years, like even like last year, the year before. Uh, but it's a good farm system. Now, uh, recently, obviously, the Cubs made some trades. One of the trades that ended up happening um, was to get Heimer Candelario, and you saw DJ Hers and uh, Kevin Made go. And then also you saw was a Ryan Jensen got uh, waived, right? And so you're, you are kind of seeing a little bit of turnover from the uh, Jason McLeod regime to the Dan Kantrovitz regime, wouldn't you say? Yeah, for sure. I, I I know that that both DJ, actually all three of those guys, DJ, Kevin, and and Ryan Jensen were all three guys that even a year ago, a year and a half ago, we were we were looking at in a different light, I think, in a lot of different ways, right? I think both all three of those guys were pretty clearly top 20 prospects in the farm system. And now they're all they were like by the time they were dealt or they left the system, they were no longer consensus top 20 uh prospects in the system. So uh, yeah, just different setup. I, I think that a lot of that has to do with uh, a pretty good come up of prospects this year. We've seen the Moises Ballesteros of the of the world, the Hayden McGeary's, um, the Cade Hortons taking everything by storm. You know, we've, we've seen guys really, really jump up prospect lists. Um, and because of that, we've seen a lot of shifting for where we're at a year ago. Yeah, let, let, let's kind of take a look at that really quick right here. And for those of you that are, are just listening, you can always uh, follow along too on uh, if you subscribe to the 670 The Score YouTube channel, uh, you get to see our beautiful faces. You'll get to see some of these prospect lists, etc. Um, but when we looked at 2022 and I looked at the top 10 list, right? You're talking Brennan Davis, Christian Hernandez, James Triantos, Caleb Killian, Jordan Wicks, PCA, Kevin Alcantara. Owen Casey, uh, DJ Hers, and Braylon Marquez. And it's kind of interesting because some of the names we've seen in Chicago, some of them we have not seen debut, but they've kind of fallen down and other guys have kind of jumped up, right? Yeah, I, I, we didn't talk about this before. I wonder, this has got to be preseason 2022, I'd imagine. Um, Brennan Davis and Christian Hernandez at one and two is, is super interesting now considering where, they, where they're, they land in prospect list. Uh, outside the top, or probably right around 20-ish for Brennan. It's hard to rank him. And Christian Hernandez, 
depending on who you ask, anywhere from 10 to about 40, I feel like. Uh, that he's, he, There's a wide range on Christian Hernandez. But I think once you get down to, like, James Triantos, right, number three last year, um, this year he, he's fallen down to the nine-ish or so range, uh, depending on what publication you're reading. But, like, that's an example of, like, the system really breaking out. Uh, I know for years and years we talked about, oh, the depth, the depth, the depth in this farm system, but they don't have that top tier guy. Well, now they have two very clear top top two, uh, top tier guys, right? PCA is a consen- consensus top 15 prospect in all of baseball. Kate Horton is arguably the third best uh, right-handed pitching prospect in all of baseball. Like those two, those two are your dudes, you know, th- th- those are the guys. Um, and we saw over at Just Baseball, they released their top 100 a couple of days ago. And Owen Casey was a 30th ranked prospect in, in all the uh, all the, the, the league. So Owen Casey making it three guys that are all top 30 is pretty miraculous, honestly, from where we were at about a year ago. Right. And so, I mean, uh, when we're talking here today, PCA had a huge day in Iowa. He has absolutely taken Iowa by storm. And it's funny because I was on the Mully and Haw show called in this morning, you know, and I said, look, PCA has to be the guy they call up if no, for no other reason. I, I said, he's, he's going to be the fastest guy on the team. I mean, I know that Nico Horner just got 30 stolen bases, first guy since Tony Campana, but, but there's no question that you, you, you have a base running competition between PCA and Nico Horner. PCA is winning it every single time. Yeah, dude, I, we, we talked about this a little bit on Cubs on deck, me and Brian Smith uh, from Bleacher Nation talked about this and, just the fact that more than anything, I, I really believe that P. Crow Armstrong would embrace to the fullest whatever role he was given up in Chicago, right? So he's not, if, if the organization called him up and they said, hey, like, you're not playing every day. Come next year, you will be playing every day in Chicago. Right now, you're not playing every day. You're going to be the defensive repla- replacement in center field. You're going to be the, the base stealer. You're going you're gonna to fulfill that role. Man, dude, he, he would embrace that so well and he would just do that so so well um he would be the best defender he would be the best base runner um and i think that helps in in, in a playoff run i mean yeah and and that's what you know i'm, I'm there last night and, and nico horner gets thrown out by husmani grandal i'm sorry pca that don't happen <laughs> yeah I, I will say with pca like he he's fast as hell um he's a good base runner you got to remember with PCA for the fans out there, like ready for him to come up. He is an ultra, ultra, ultra aggressive base runner. I mean, we're talking like putting Javi to shame in terms of his <laughs> his his aggressiveness on the base pass. He will get thrown out. He, he'll oh, get yeah. picked off. He'll get thrown out. He'll make stupid tag up decisions. He'll try to take the extra base when he shouldn't. All of that's going to happen. But also, he's fast as hell. And he is a good base runner. Besides that, as well. So. Uh, you take the good with the bad, like we did with Javi, right? It, I mean, it's very similar in terms of the way they go out there and give it their all 100% all the time. Now, I remember last year the Cubs selecting Cade Horton with, what, the seventh overall pick? Yep. And there were some people that were like, oh, my God, look at this bat and this bat and this bat. But now, I mean, I, I remember talking – God, who was I talking to? Uh, Max and BK, you know, the first time that Cade threw a bullpen, those guys were there and they were just blown away. And obviously they've seen a lot of pitchers, you know, come through the system. I mean, he has just absolutely taken these rankings by storm. Yeah, man, it's one of those things where, 
you shouldn't ever ridicule a, a draft pick on the day of the draft because it just it, it's silly to do. Like it, you just you just don't know. But especially with pitchers now, right? Like Cade Horton hardly threw when he was at Oklahoma, so we didn't know what he could possibly become. Now, did we expect him to be this uh, on August in August of the year after he was drafted? Of course not. Um, I was skeptical. I was skeptical of the pick when it, when it came in and when it happened just because I didn't know a whole lot about him, but it wasn't because I thought the Cubs did a bad job. You know, he's, he has been absolutely tremendous. Um, I think that um, there is a non zero percent chance that we see him in Chicago this year, given the current status of losing Marcus Stroman today and all that good stuff. So um, I don't expect it, right? Don't expect to see Kate Horton in, um, in Chicago this year. But if you would have told me there's a non-zero chance of it uh, come opening day th- this year, I would have laughed in your face, you know? So right. uh, that that's pretty significant just saying that. Now, looking at number three, you got Owen Casey, and and he, he kind of turned some heads when he was at the World Baseball Classic playing for Team Canada. Owen came on the U Darvish trade. It looks like he uh, that double A team, I mean, and triple A team. I mean, you're looking, what, potentially three more teams in the playoffs, this, uh, minor league teams in the postseason this year? Yeah, yeah, it, it's, it's really impressive. And it, it helps a lot seeing those minor league guys get that playoff playoff atmosphere, playoff experience for sure. Owen Casey's been so damn good, dude. Like he has been he has been really, really impressive. And I think the big thing with Owen is he showed in past years that he could use all fields in terms of that hitting approach. And this year he's just tapping into that raw power. Yes, we know that he has the, the some of the best exit velocities in all of professional baseball, not just double A and uh, all of professional baseball, including the major leagues. Um, but now he's getting to that power more often and he's showcasing it in games more often. So uh, to me, the big thing with all, like, I, I always assumed that power would come eventually. It was just a matter of when. To me, the big thing that, that I've like pointed out that not many people are pointing out because it's not nearly as sexy, but Owen Casey is the athleticism is there a lot more than it was last year. And that athleticism helps with him in the field where he's getting things figured out in the outfield a little bit better. And then also on the base pads where he's not stealing a ton of bases, but he can do the, the the good base running where he's scoring from second. He's going first to third, that type of stuff. Uh, that athleticism has been super important for his development. Now, looking at, at number four, Kevin Alcantara, he, you know, is down in South Bend. And, you know, he's just he just looks like a ball player. If you ever <laughs> see the guy. I mean, he just he's just a beast of a man. And the funny thing is, when I look at the top four guys, PCA, Cade Horton, Owen Casey and Kevin Alcantara, they're all 21 years old. Yeah. Yeah. It's pretty, it's pretty wild. Right. I mean, and, and they're all not far from, from the bigs, right. PCA's in triple a, uh, Owen Casey is a guy that is going to push for opening day starts in Chicago next year. Kate Horton is the same way. And Kevin Alcantara is already on the, uh, 40 man roster. He's a little bit further away in terms of levels, but he's already in the 40 man roster. So all four guys that are, are close are close to the big leagues. Um, I'll, I'll tell you a story about, about Alcantara. I talked about it on the podcast, but, uh, I got to go see South Bend when they were playing over in Peoria uh, a few weeks ago. And it was right after Alcantara got hurt um, running the bases. He hurt his knee. He's back now. We're seeing playing in South Bend, but he was out for a few weeks. Uh, when I was over in Peoria, he was still with the team. He wasn't down in Arizona rehabbing yet, but he was taking it super, super easy on the leg because he just didn't want to run too hard, didn't want to injure anything any, any, any worse. He was taking some batting practice, and when he was taking batting practice, it was basically just upper body. Like he wasn't, he wasn't getting his legs into it hardly at all. It was just arm swings. That was all it was. And the dude was still hitting the most impressive home runs of the entire team. 
He was still hitting it over the berm. He was still hitting some some by the eye test exit below numbers through the roof. Uh, and that was just with arm swing. That wasn't even putting his whole body into it. So the dude is a freak of nature, really. Now, you talked about Marcus Stroman. We heard today about some, some rib issues and cartilage and, and God only knows what. But it's clear whether Stro was here or not that an arm was going to be coming up in September and the possible, you know, with some of these guys throwing more than they've ever thrown before, you know, you, you, you're taking a look at maybe a starter. And so at number five is Ben Brown. He's been on the show before here. Uh, number 10 is Jordan Wicks. Would you see either one of those now, now Ben's on the seven day IL, but I haven't heard how severe or what it is, or if he has to get ramped up again. But if you were to kind of take a stab in the dark right now, which one of the two guys would you say, would you uh, be kind of coming to Chicago in September? Between those two guys, I'd probably bet on Jordan Wicks more than Ben Brown, just because of the injury unknowns with Ben Brown. Um, he has been, even if he's coming back relatively soon, he does have to have a little bit of a ramp up process because he's been out for a while. You know, it's not just, it's not just he's been out for a week. He's been out for a few weeks now. So he need to ramp back up. And my assumption with Ben Brown is since he was already kind of on on track to kind of wean like wane off those those uh those innings i'd assume he comes back as a reliever when he comes back this year so we, we might still because he's already on the 40-man roster we might are we might see him in chicago but not taking up a rotation slot um if i'm pegging one of those two guys as a starting pitcher in chicago this year it would be jordan wicks um just because he, he can kill still throw some more innings um i i he hasn't been as impressive in triple a as he was down in double a, but over the past few weeks, he has been pretty damn solid. So uh, I'm a big Jordan Wicks guy, you know what? Everybody knows it. And I'd like to see him in Chicago. That'd be, that'd be nice down the home stretch. All right. Number six on the list, Matt Shaw shortstop. He was the first, he was the Cubs first pick of the draft this year. I mean, again, another guy that's just kind of shooting through the system. Yeah, dude, I he has been really good, really fast for South Bend. That's a pretty aggressive promotion up to South Bend um, in his first year, like the first year, the, his draft year. Um, we'll likely see him start off next year in Double A Tennessee. Whether he ends there this year is still to be determined. My assumption, though, is that we probably see him in the Arizona Fall League, uh, regardless of where he ends up this year. So, uh, yeah, dude, I he he can just hit the ball. Uh, he's got the big old leg kick. And that's fun to watch. I don't. We'll, we'll have to see how that how that impacts him hitting as he continues to climb the ladder. If they can try to tone down the leg kick a little bit, uh, basically what this year is typically used for for draft picks, including Matt Shaw, even up in, up in high A, it's used as just like, hey, go out. Typically, you you got two options. Either you're a guy who does not see full full season affiliated baseball, and they're just constantly tinkering with a player right out the gate. Or you see the other other way uh, of the development path, and that's with Matt Shaw, Josh Rivera, guys like that, where you go and just do what you've been doing in college, do it in the pros, see what works, what doesn't work, and then the offseason will then will make those tinkers and, and make those changes based on what didn't work. For, fortunately for Matt Shaw, is a lot is working, so we'll kind of see what what that looks like in the offseason for his workload, you know? Right now I went down to South uh, or I went to Myrtle beach at the beginning of the summer. And you know, you, you, when you, when you go to these type of places, you kind of check some things out, some guys out. And the two guys that kind of blew my mind when I came back from uh, Myrtle beach was Michael Arias and Moises Ballesteros. I mean, I mean, both young kids, but I mean, when I saw uh, Arias throw, like the way that that ball hit the glove, it was just something else. 
And then when I saw Ballesteros, I mean, he was just hitting. He, he had like this leadership um, that you can just totally see when he was in the, uh, whatchamacallit, when he was on the field. Mm-hmm. Yeah, no, I and, and you saw them at the right time because they were pretty soon after both promoted up to South Bend. Um, Moises Ballesteros has been just super, super impressive all year. I mean, I think that like, whether it's his hit tool, now he's starting to turn on pitches for home runs and showing off the power. I think that the defense has been good enough. Um, and I think that has, his athleticism, actually, as his year the year has gone on, has gotten a little bit better. Now, I'm not saying he's a freak athlete like Kevin Alcantara out there, but uh, it's gotten a little bit better as the season's worn on. I really like Moises Ballesteros a lot. I like the bat. I like how, how he has been as a hitter. It's reminded me a lot of what we saw from Owen Casey uh, during his time in the lower minors. that's That's been a lot of what we've seen from Moises Ballesteros. Uh, Michael Arias, dude, like he is just like, he's electric on the mound. Like he, it, the fastball is touching triple digits. The changeup is very, very good. The slider has been pretty decent too. Uh, just really good stuff from him. And he's a, he talk about a good athlete. Like he was a, he was originally signed as a shortstop by the blue Jays uh, when he was signed. And so uh, this is a position player uh, uh, conversion and he just looks like a live arm on the mound. Now, I, I think that some of the, uh, some of the rankings of him have been a little bit aggressive. I've seen him up even up like number 11 on some rankings in the Cubs system. And that feels aggressive to me. I talked about it uh, on this week's show on Cubs on deck that I would, I would actually rank him uh, below quite a few other pitchers in the Cubs organization, because I, I, I still view him as a proof to me that you're not a relief pitcher long-term, right? So I would rank him below guys like Daniel Palencia and Luke Little, who two very impressive guys, but those, those are relievers, you know? Um, so, and I, I like those guys more than Michael Arias. So Arias has got to prove that he's a starter long-term. We'll see. He's Rule 5 eligible this offseason. We'll see what the Cubs do with them. Now, one guy that obviously, you know, he's kind of down on the list, but not his fault, is Alexander Canario. You know, coming, you know that injury in the, in the winter leagues. And, and what have you seen from him since he's been back? Yeah, just progressively getting a little bit more comfortable and back to his old self. Um, I think as we sit here in mid-August, he is, I wouldn't say fully back to what we saw last year, but it's a hell of a lot more back than what we saw even like two weeks ago. It just took him a while to get back comfortable. I mean, he, he had to rehab from two serious injuries, a shoulder and a knee or and a, like a leg. Um, that's not easy. So the fact that he's back, um, the fact that he's getting into a rhythm, that's really impressive. Uh, wouldn't be entirely surprised to see him get a few more at bats in the Arizona fall league, uh, this year, just because he was, he was shorted so many at bats in the first half of the season. So, uh, I just like that he is back looking a little more comfortable. He's still got a ways to go, like I said, but he's looking more comfortable, which is nice. Another guy I saw the Pelicans and, and he's been garnering a lot of buzz is Jefferson Rojas, number 11 shortstop. What, what is it that the scouts love so much about Jefferson Rojas? Yeah. If you just watch him take at bats, it like it doesn't look like he's an 18 year old, right? The body looks looks more like strong and advanced than an 18 year old, but also his stance, the way he loads, the way he swings, everything about him hitting just looks more like a 22 year 22 year old guy in Double A, not an 18 year old guy in Low A, you know. So uh, the results have been pretty solid, especially considering how rough it is to hit down in Myrtle Beach and in the Carolina League. Uh, but in addition to just like being being impressive in terms of stats, he just looks the part. Um, he's been playing shortstop over Christian Hernandez down in down in Myrtle. Um, I, I just think the Cubs front office really, really digs this guy, Jefferson Rojas. 
Now, two first basemen uh, that I want to kind of hit on really quick. Number 13 and number 18. Matt Mervis, we got to see a little taste of him. And, you know, coming up to the major leagues can be humbling for a lot of players. There's a lot, plenty of famous Cubs players that have, you know, come up and then had to go back down, right? And, and the other would be Hayden McGreary. What do you see from either of these guys right here? Yeah, so they are both first base only guys, um, if anything, DH first base, right? And so I've said for a long time that it is super important, like why we're not, why I am not one to rank these guys as top 10 prospects in the farm system is because everything relies on them being not only like good hitters, but great hitters at the major league level in order to be successful, right? Because they're not bringing, they're not upping their war by playing even average defense at first base. Um, so they have to be really, really, really good hitters, like 120, like 120 WRC plus type hitters at the major major league level to be successful. But that's kind of where the comparison stopped to a certain degree, because uh, both Matt. So Matt Mervis is a guy who is really, really good at finding the barrel out in front so he can use that power. He's not showing off really tremendous exit velo numbers. He's just hitting the ball right. That's how he hits. Hayden McGeary is the other way where he just puts up ridiculous exit velo numbers. Like he hits the ball hard as hell uh he hits the ball on the ground a little bit too often but he's just hitting the ball so so hard so two completely different vibes for both those guys in terms of like the way they have their success at the plate um but both like regard like regardless of where they get ranked anything like that like super fun to watch in the minors i'm really hopeful for them in the major leagues now, uh, PCA obviously is in the Futures game, but so was B.J. Murray, and B.J. Murray was also in the World Baseball Classic. Why did the Cubs select B.J. Murray, do you think, to the Futures game as opposed to a different player? Yeah, I think that, that B.J. Murray, is it's kind of a vote of confidence from, from the Cubs, right, to, to send him to that to that game. We'll, we'll see that. We kind of see that a lot. They, they approach that in a similar way as kind of the Arizona Fall League, a very distinct way in which they approach that league and that game in that league. B.J. Murray has – he had a really good – first half of the season every like he was one of the best hitters in the organization in the first half of the season everybody loved bj murray um he was getting on base he was walking a ton and that's why he was kind of showing success what has impressed me the most now in the second half of the season is he's tapping into power which is a must considering he's a first and third baseman he's tapping into the power way more not only relying on drawing walks and he's looked pretty good at third base like he's not like He's not going to blow the world away with his defense at third base, but like if J if Jamer Candelario can play decent enough third base, then I, I don't see why why this guy and BJ Murray can't either. Um, yeah, I'm I'm just I'm really excited to see um, him his assignment obviously to AAA probably next year um, and see him just kind of advance through the system, do his thing. It, it, it's it's a tough it's a tough tough uh, like profile I guess because he has to he has to hit he has to hit for power. He can't just rely on walking all the time because pitchers are going to throw to him more as he gets up to AAA, as he gets to the major leagues. So um, that that's something to watch. Just continue watching that power. And if he's displaying that, that's That'll tell you all you need to know about if he can be successful in Chicago. Now, you know, one last guy I want to touch on, he goes from number one last year to number 20 this year, Brennan Davis. What, what, what kind of updates have you heard about Brennan? Where's he at as far as the recovery process? Yeah, so I know he's he's getting some work down in Arizona right now. So he is on the field. He is not in the the like the non-playing part of his rehab. He's on the field taking some swings. That's good to see. Um, what just like it's just a rough rough situation for Brennan, right? I think that we haven't seen a true version of Brennan Davis in quite some time now. I don't, we definitely haven't seen it. We definitely have not seen it this year. 
Uh, we didn't really see it last year either. So um, it's been a while since we've seen it, what a successful and what a healthy and what a 100% Vernon Davis looks like. And I mean, that's something where like one of the best abilities is being, being available, right? Ability is the uh, availability is the best ability. Um, and he just hasn't been that. So um, it's rough. I, 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 ranking him 20 is fair. I, I, I don't know where I'd rank him right now. Honestly, it's it just, I, I can't say because I don't know where he stands in terms of how he's feeling. The athleticism has to come back. We haven't seen the athleticism. I, I, that's kind of the theme of this, of the show, this, this one, huh? Um, <laughs> they, the athleticism did not come back. It's not been here the, pl- the past year and a half or so. And that was like, if you go back to like the old, my old show, like if you go back a few years ago and we were talking about Brennan Davis, we would like typically reference him as the best athlete in the entire system. That's not the case anymore. So uh, tapping into the athleticism again is going to be the major key in, in how he continues to develop. Now, uh, you know, you were talking a little bit for people that are interested in prospects and do want to delve a little bit more in the weeds. Why don't you tell our listeners where they can find your work? Yeah, for sure. You can find uh, me talking on a podcast way too in depth about the, the third bullpen guy in South Bend, uh, things like that over anywhere where you find podcasts it's called Cubs on Deck. Um, you can, you can, I'm, I'm hosting with Brian Smith of Bleacher Nation, uh, Greg Zumak from Northside Bound. You can find writing and all that good stuff over at Northside Bound. Find us on YouTube. Actually, I'm hosting, I don't know when this episode is, is posting, but if it's in time for the live show, or you can go back and watch the video, hosting a live stream over on the Northside Bound YouTube page with Brendan Miller, um, of CHGO. We're going to take live questions on the air, answer some prospect questions, answer some MLB questions, all of the above. That should be fun. So if you guys can't check it uh, live, go back and watch the, the the feed over at the Northside Bound YouTube page. Awesome. And, 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 and Northside Bound is where you write. So a lot of your work will be there and they can follow you at Out can, of the Vines. Yeah, Twitter, Out of the Vines, uh, Threads, Cubs on Deck on Threads. Uh, we have a Discord page. I know that, that Greg Zumack and Brian Smith did a great job of setting up a Discord page uh, called 1060 West. You can go check that out. You can find that on on. Uh, on discord. So, uh, yeah, appreciate it, Crowley. Well, absolutely love having you on Greg. And like I said, this is, I just wanted to give our listeners a a taste of who, you know, there's going to be moves that have to be made really soon and we'll see what they are. Absolutely. Take care, bud. Appreciate it.